0: you're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 SN, your home for
1: community radio.
0: Good morning, everyone. Really an exciting and jam-packed show today. We're going to do a first half and a second half for you uh, athletic folks, or just uh, life sometimes has a, an opening act and then a following act. Uh, but for the next 25 minutes or so, really blessed to kind of chat with Reverend Kevin Hardy, pastor of St. Of Saint Matthews Unison Free Will. That's right, Baptist, Baptist Church <laughs> uh, here in 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 New Haven on Dixwell Avenue, right kind of in the epicenter of the Black community. And I wanted uh, Reverend Hardy to kind of jump off and kind of share really some up, an upcoming event that your everyone is invi- men are invited to. Uh, he does this. I think this is your, your second or third year, Reverend Hardy.
2: Uh- our fifth year, Your fifth
0: the, fifth year for for, for for this thing called Man Cave. He's going to tell tell you what, what, that's about Re- Reverend Hardy has worked in the school system in 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 uh, in, in West Haven. Uh, he's he's been a pastor. He is a pastor. Uh, has a lot of life experience, and I just love the fact of how this this upcoming event, Reverend Hardy, kind of symbolizes that some folks might come to the the Man Cave uh, event. And I think you're having a uh, has a code drive up. The clothing drive, has that also happened already, or is that today?
2: It has. The clothing drive has happened uh, already a few weeks ago, but that will be an ongoing uh, monthly event that the Man Cave uh, ministry from the church will continue to sponsor. But just in uh, effects of that, it's called the Man Cave Closet, where we just have clothing of of all styles and for all occasions for men to come and receive if they're in need of it. Mm. So that is just something that happens uh, monthly every, uh, on a Saturday morning from nine to 11. And it's open to anyone who just may have the need for themselves or for a relative for just uh, men's clothing. And you'll find things from uh, casual clothing to suits. So that's something that we want to do ongoing But you mentioned about the conference. The Man Cave Conference is something that we have had the opportunity to host at the church at St. Matthew's for the past five years. Mm -hmm. And the intention and mission is just to gather men for relationship building, for encouragement, for affirmation. There's so many places where we as men don't get affirmed that Mm -hmm. it's important. For us to have a place where we can be affirmed, that we can affirm one another, where we can share transparently, but we can also be empowered and educated in a variety of ways. And and this year we are focusing, of course, on spiritual enrichment and education, but also our own physical health and well-being how Mm -hmm. we can make sure that we can take care of our temples and be good stewards over our bodies and also our emotional health. There's a lot of stigma around men and their emotions and I often say that we have been taught in society to only be able to show one emotion often and that is anger, but we do have a variety of emotions and our emotional health and well-being is extremely important. So we're going to talk about that and how to support one another and hold one another accountable with our spiritual well-being, our emotional well-being, and our physical well-being. Again, so the the date is? The date is upcoming Saturday, December 9th from 10 to 3 p.m., and it will be held at St. Matthew's Unison Free Will Baptist Church, and that is located in the city of New Haven, at 400 Dixwell Avenue. So if you are interested, uh all you have to do is you can uh register with our Eventbrite or you can call the church at area code 203-777-0472 and it is we're only asking for a small donation of $10 for that event. But if you don't have the money, don't let that stop you. We're not going to turn anybody away. <laughs> so we want to have you there, and we want to have you blessed.
0: Reverend Hardy, walk us through a little bit uh, of, of what's going to take place. I had a chance to, I was a little late uh, last year, uh, and, I, and then I didn't stay for the total thing. Um, but the parts that I did here, just some folks I saw that I hadn't seen in a few years, yeah. uh, the, the testimony, the uh, response from, from folks in, in the, uh, that came. Folks, some of your folks had on your, your branding, your head on your your gear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so walk us through the schedule a little bit this up. So for folks to know that it's really uh it, it's inspirational, educational, and and
2: communal. Yes. Thank you so much. This year our theme is uh, slaying some giants, pursuing emotional, mental, and physical well-being. And we're just going from the biblical story of David and Goliath saying Mm -hmm. that there are some using Uh, Goliath as a metaphor to different giants that we might be encountering in our lives as men, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whether it be spiritual, emotional, uh, something with our families, whatever that might be. And joining together in this community of men that I'm proud to say is intergenerational. We have teenagers there and we have men who are in their 90s. And that sharing of coming together, of talking, of experiencing education, breaking bread together. And this year, we're going to have a panel with uh, men from their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. uh, spiritual leaders who are going to be there just to share wisdom. That particular uh, panel discussion is for the purpose of just sharing generational experiences, uh, being able to help people understand practically how to move forward from whatever you might be facing. We also have a nationally recognized naturopath by the name of Dr. Anthony Corns. He is from Nashville, Tennessee, and mm-hmm. he's going to come and talk us talk to us about our eating habits and the importance of our physical well-being. I saw him at a conference a few months back, and I was so inspired. I said, I have to bring him to the man cave mm-hmm. because he has the ability to both uh, bring the academic side of our dietary uh, consumption along with such Uh, acute spiritual knowledge as well and talk to us about taking care of ourselves. So I'm excited about him sharing with the men in the man cave. And finally, we have Dr. Clarence Wright, who is a seminary president in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. and he's going to come and challenge us about our own emotional health. Again, I mentioned how there's so much stigma often in the African-American community about wellness and mental wellness and a men- and emotional well-being and so we're really going to challenge that and really try to break down those barriers and that stigma and talk about practically how we can take care of ourselves because we don't just want to live but we want to live well mm. and we want to live healthy
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and again from nine to two and that might seem like a long time time span but i'm i'm, I'm guaranteeing if you get there at nine it'll be two o'clock before you know it you won't even be aware that the time is passed. 10 to, oh, 10, 10 to 3. 10 to 3. I'm sorry, 10 to 3. Uh, and and there will be sufficient street parking uh, also uh, at, at that time. you uh, t- come
2: t- and check us out. It, it's worth your time. And as you said, it will go by so much faster than you think because during the course of everything, We have had in the past about 100 men that have joined us for this occasion. So just the community, just the support, just to be in the presence of that many men. There's not many places that you can go and see that many men together with uh, oneness of purpose and mind in a positive environment. So come and check us out. I remember
0: last year... uh uh, Reverend Hardy. I had a chance during, during the, you haven't you have mentioned the, the delicious food. That's also interspersed. So that, that that's kind yeah. of a given people know that's going to be a given, but during the lunch hour last year, I had a chance to talk to one of your young people. I guess he'd be a senior cook. Yeah, he was 11th grade last year. And just to hear his insights, about what's going on in the school system, just to hear his insights about, uh, social media and, and beefs in the cafeteria, just what, just him describing his world. So, uh, so, so clearly and also it, it challenged me as he was speaking about this Their their world. We got to make it a, make it a, a little better. We somehow we got to make it better.
2: Absolutely. Again, one of the benefits is to be able to have that intergenerational dialogue because Sometimes if we are not intentional about sitting down with one another, we will never know what one another is experiencing or has experienced and how we could help each other. And this is the place where we can have those conversations. And again, what better way to have them besides breaking bread? And having been in the school system for uh, 31 years, I am aware of many of the challenges that the young people face today, and it's important to me in all the areas that I have some uh, input and some influence to try to make uh, their worlds better. Just as you said, and one of the ways is through this conference.
0: Excellent, and, and you know, Reverend Hardy, Just as we're talking now, given the, I know you only have one head, but I could see you, there's there's lines on your head. So that's probably from those various hats <laughs> that that, you, that you've probably been wearing. So this your past. from as i look at your background and think about what you what you've done and what you are doing i think it's one continual theme whether you want to call it pastoral or educational or counseling or but but you've kind of i think weaved together the various disciplines and not having to kind of say well you got to be a catholic or protestant or islamic to participate i mean it's it's open it's a 24 7 365 opportunity for folks but but what i'm leading up to is talk about your 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 albertus experience that's also kind of opening doors and and providing sustenance and, and counseling to folks.
2: Sure. Uh, every experience uh, that I've been able to have professionally, I've felt like it has been a calling mm. and that God has led me there. And this latest experience with Albertus Magnus does, and thank you for you know your kind words about my experience because it's been my heart to be a servant leader wherever I am. Mm. And whether it be in the spiritual realm or the educational opportunities. And once I retired from uh, the West Haven school system back in October, after 31 years, I had to think about what intentionally I I wanted to do next. Mm. And Albertus Magnus was an opportunity that was afforded to me. And it feels like a full circle moment. I, I am... Uh, a homegrown New Havenite. Uh, I grew up in the New Hopeville area. So Albertus was something that I was very familiar with. But when I was able to research it, I found that a lot of their values were the same as mine. Mm -hmm. Albertus is a college that is built on four pillars that are important to me as well. And that is study and prayer community and service and all of those values speak to my heart in terms of what I want to do personally and professionally Mm -hmm. and talking to them and talking about how important speaking to the lives of young people is I said I need to be and I want to be a part of that they are extremely diverse as well they are the most diverse Catholic college in New England. And I see a lot of black and brown faces. And that's also important to me mm-hmm. Not that I don't uh, have a heart to serve everyone, but I need for people who look like me to see me because sometimes the exposure to seeing somebody who looks like you off is something that motivates you to continue. Mm -hmm. So here at Albertus, I just started about two months ago. I'm working in the career and professional development office. So I'm able to continue that thread of education Mm -hmm. from the K-12 system that I worked in to now working with young adults who are starting or uh, continuing their college career and helping them with mentorship and uh, their ability to find internships and prepare for uh, post-graduation, either mm-hmm. continuing their education or being in the work field. So again, helping to model and to uh, shape the minds of our very talented young people.
0: Excellent, excellent, I, I, I love that. Uh, and, and let me go back to, to the man cave, because I believe, I wouldn't say your are Moses's, you, if I said spaghetti and, and Moses for <laughs> next Friday, so what, what's the connection there?
2: So, uh, Man Cave, beyond the conference, has now turned into more of a weekend. So, on that Friday before the conference, we're going to have uh, my predecessor, uh, Bishop uh, Robert J. Gay, who was the pastor of St. Matthews for over 37 years. He is going to come back and he's going to share with us in a time of fellowship. We're going to have a spaghetti dinner, which is open to Anyone who would like to come and fellowship and share with us, again, just for a small uh, fee of $10, if you're interested, that's at the church. And afterwards, he is going to be bringing in an inspirational and powerful word to us uh, that evening during the service. And again, that is open to everyone who may want to join us. The man cape is just for the men, but this spaghetti dinner and fellowship is open to both male and female.
0: Excellent, excellent. I, when you mentioned Bishop Gay, and uh, I'm sure he's very proud of you. The point point I'm trying to get to is I would say when Bishop Gay was here, uh, that you could see him, you could meet him in the men's room, (laughs) on the street, in the mall, in church, at a football game, basketball game but he would give you a message and you, you you wouldn't believe that you got the message until almost you walked away. His every word seems that his, 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 just natural dialogue to me, uh, just he can't, he, he carried that wisdom and, and it just, it just came out of his, his his lips. Every time I saw him, regardless of the circumstance. And that's what I so, so really love. And I've heard some very positive and inspirational things about your community commitment as you've, and how you define this really a, open door 24-7 wherever we are just serving perspective that's so good to hear We about about 10 10 more minutes what's on your your heart mind and soul that you'd like to share with folks uh sustainability perhaps or this is your 80th year here in the church how old is, is the church here your anniversary
2: the church is over 100 years old it's 105 years old so it has had a commitment to the city and to its people. And and since you uh were talking about Bishop Gay, I I can't uh not give him uh his flowers whenever I talk to him because he his example is is one that is tremendous here in the city, but he, the way that he interacted with people, his mm-hmm. his consistency, his genuineness is something that I've tried to mirror in, in my own way in terms of just being authentic and and genuine whenever you meet people Mm -hmm. uh, to try to show up uh, in that very sincere and intentional way. So I'm very thankful for his example. And uh, I am entering into my 10th year at the church Uh, and following in his footsteps. So I'm very grateful that the church is continuing to be active, but our our mindset is to make sure that we are doing as much in reach with the people that are within the church, but also it's very important for us to leave our mark in terms of outreach. So Mm -hmm making sure that not just with the conferences, but through things that we are actively doing 21st century ministry and that shows up in many different ways in terms of us impacting our young people in the educational system we're, we're trying now to uh, have a partnership with the city to do literacy education for the Mm -hmm. pre-K through the third grade Mm -hmm. uh, system for our children in the Dixwell and Newhallville area. We're also trying to do some technology training for our 55 and older because we have many of that population within our church and within our communities. And many of them even need help learning how to use smartphones, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, laptops and other things, but just trying to help them stay uh, on top of things with the devices and the wave of the future, which is very technological. Indeed, indeed. I'm grateful, I'm grateful to be able to lead the charge and hopefully lead by example, because it is important uh, what we do and I always say, not just that we show up, but how we show up, and we yes. have to with a certain degree of intentionality, integrity, and mission. So I try to live my life so that people can see that those are things that I value. Tremendous, tremendous. So, so uh,
0: next sat- Saturday, te- tease us again. Where should folks? <laughs> where should men show up?
2: They should come to. Saint Matthew's Unison Free Will Baptist Church at 400 Dixwell Avenue at 10 a.m. and come expecting a time of empowerment, a time of community, a time of education. You won't be sorry. I I do tease, uh, knowing, uh, being a man myself, that when a man gives you his time, he is giving you one of the things that he finds most valuable, and mm-hmm. I you if you give us your time you will be glad you did and you will think that it is worthwhile you will be entering the man cave and mm-hmm. we have lots of things planned so that you can leave affirmed empowered and educated tremendous tremendous tr- tremendous Guess
0: uh let's R- reverend hardy let's let's just take as we can kind of conclude i want to pose a philosophical question for you sure uh, about the well philosophical, economic, even practical about the future of the church uh, what what do in general and we should what, actually as I ask, pose this question we're going to do an, we're going to do another, another show on this topic I'm going to ask, okay. you, a, ask a few okay. ministers that we can kind of talk about uh, what does the church have to do in your mind to continue to keep the doors open to continue to, to perceive to be relevant to to continue to perceive to be uh, of, of value? What, what, what one or two things would you say that churches need to do if they need to do anything different to kind of make sure that their existence on the planet and their tremendous history is, uh, is not
2: lost? That's a great question. One of the things I think we can learn from one of the lessons of the past is... To look at what happened during the the times in the 50s and the 60s when the church was the epicenter for the uh, Black community to expose them and to educate them, and it was not just a Sunday mission. It was to really help them to economically get empowered, educationally be empowered, have the right to vote, be treated fairly. So I think one of the things that we have to understand if the church is going to be effective in the 21st century is that it doesn't just happen on Sunday morning and you have to attend to more than the spiritual needs of the people within your congregation and the community and the city at large. It has to be larger. So our vision has to to extend past that. But I think we also have to acknowledge some things that the church may have failed to do uh, in terms of reaching people. We have in many churches, I can't say all, but we have a challenge now often to get the younger generation or some of the millennial population into a mm-hmm. uh, churches and to have them committed. So I think we need to really humble ourselves and be aware enough to have open and honest conversations and bring them to the table and to ask them uh, what are they looking for for church? And also besides what are they looking for, what can they add to the church to Mm. help us Mm. continue to go forward? So I think there has to be some humility and a welcoming to that population. There's so many other things, and I know we don't time
0: but we'll do this sh- that's why we're gonna do this show this is a teaser I, I, I'll so. reach out to you because it's it's so so important uh for us to for that to happen reverend <coughs> excuse me <coughs> excuse me a second uh this has been good man thank you so much thank you so oh, much what, you. what's the rest of your day look like what do what you up to to the, the rest
2: of the day? Well, I'm here at Albertus now, so I'm going to uh, finish out my responsibilities here. And then afterwards, I have some church responsibilities. Life is busy and uh, life is lifing in terms of uh, just uh, uh, taking care of different things. But I have to say that I'm blessed because it's all good stuff in terms of impacting people's lives. So right. my day is full. All right. You're c- c- cup runneth over and, you're, and, you're, and yes, we're blessed. Yes, that's
0: so, so important.
2: See you soon. Look forward to it, thank you again for the time and for the thank space and the conversation. I appreciate you and your viewers.
0: So you can sign off and. So we're gonna move, and Kevin, you can. Uh, we're gonna move now to the second half of the show. And uh, I don't do this all the time, but I wanted to kind of get the word out for, for uh, Reverend Hardy for his, his Man Cave event. And then Roz Hamilton and Lorena Mitchell uh, reached out to me about a, an event that they're holding in collaboration at, uh, at Dixville United Church of Christ. So if you notice any any themes here in terms of churches and health and reaching out and feeding the body, mind, and soul, this kind of theme just kind of is permeating both both the previous conversation that I just had and now with Lore- Lorena Mitchell, who's going to unmute herself, <laughs> and, uh, and I need you to unmute. Harry, can you un? Okay, is that? Can you hear us now?
1: Hey, good morning.
0: Good morning. Good morning. So we're going to jump right in. I think Roz is on the, it's out there in cyberspace and looking for the the key of life. I think Harry will extend it to her. Uh, Lorena, I was looking at some of your background, and you—you—you sh- you, you, uh, you paid some taxes in in Chicago. You paid some taxes in in New York. So you've you've been around in some big big cities, and uh, I, I'm always interested. I'm kind of a New England person and I've born in Pittsburgh, but I've been here in New Haven for so long. I always wonder when folks have lived in larger cities. Uh, uh, and then they moved to a smaller town, but 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 let's let's not digress. Let, let, let's, let's, <laughs> let, let, let's I didn't
1: know I was gonna have a background check. <laughs> well
0: you, that too. This is a, the surveillance society, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Come on now. You know, you can call we we can call ourselves journalists, but we're really just snoopy people. We snoop, snoop around. <laughs> but 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 Lorraine is here with us, the coordinator for community health initiatives uh, for the city of New Haven. And Lorraine, let's just jump right in. There's an upcoming event that we're going to have with uh, the Dixwell Night Church of Christ. And I say I say we because I want people to first understand that, that it, it, it can be more of a we than just a me or or us. I mean, let's kind of see ourselves be part of the collective. But at any rate, uh, th- fill us in, share some information about what's the upcoming with you and, and Dixwell.
1: Yes. Well, thank you so much for giving us the space to talk about what is a topic that can be challenging um, but is also personal and important to talk about, and that is suicide prevention. Mm. Uh, I've been working with Rosalyn, and we've been hosting suicide prevention trainings at the Dixwell United Church of Christ. And as you mentioned, we do have an upcoming training on Monday, December
0: eleven.
1: 11 from five thirty to seven PM and that's at two one seven Dixwell Ave.
0: Good, good, good. And uh Roz Hamilton is with us. And Roz, you've been involved with uh public health leadership and leading public health initiatives for several decades. And I wondered Roz uh, if you can hear us uh I can hear you. why did the church or you know how did this kind of connection kind of kind of come about between a city initiative and and now uh, one of our historic churches.
3: Well, um, you know, there was a, I did a stint after retirement from New Haven at the Quinnipiac Valley Health District as the interim director and um, Joy Donaldson, who's um, a member of a longtime member of Dixwell and from the, you know, mission committee and all these different committees. And she asked me to, would I step in for a short time? in Quinnipiac Valley. And mm-hmm. the time that I stepped in, there was an offer of a free training for QPR, the, um, the workshop for trainers. And they said, you know, anybody in the health department that wanted to participate in this training you know, come on in. And it just happened to be, you know, during the period of time that I was there. And I said, well, this is probably an opportunity I better jump on. Mm -hmm. And so uh I went to the training and it was, you know, chock full of information that I think the community needed to have. So that's when Lavina and I connected and they and we started, you know, coming up with a a workshop at Dixwell. and, and more and more people have been asking for repeats of this workshop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, things, suicide isn't something that people jump up and talk about. <laughs> but, um, you know, the people who uh, want to come and attended the workshop with different people, community and church members, both. And, you know, in discussion, you know, it comes up that there's somebody close to them who, you know, had this experience and yeah. they, they want to know, you know, what happened? You know, what, what did I miss? Was it my fault? Da, 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 da. Those are all the kinds of questions that people who are survivors mm. uh, want to know. You know, mm-hmm. they're actually haunted by it. Mm. So this was a workshop for them to, you know, feel better about what they were doing.
0: Good. And and, and Lorena and, and and Roz, tease us a little bit to, you know, to tell us everything that takes place during the workshop, but like give, give us some of the, the, head, the headlines or the the workshop titles or just how the you know the process go might go
1: sure well as Rosalind mentioned um you know this is a sort of standardized training that's taught across the country and go is ahead. an evidence-based training so there's research showing that it's a training that really improves people's confidence to go have ahead. these conversations to uh talk openly about suicide and the training um Provide some background information about sort of the status of of suicide deaths and attempts in our country. And the preview is that, you know, we are seeing an increase in right. suicidal thoughts and suicidal deaths. And this is a public health problem that impacts people of all ages, races, geographic locations, cultural backgrounds, uh, doesn't discriminate And then the training goes into some information about how we might recognize that somebody is thinking about suicide. Mm -hmm. What are those warning signs that we can be aware of when we're uh, talking to fellow church members or in our workplace or um, interacting with our friends and family? So Mm -hmm. what are those warning signs to be aware of? And then really the core of the training is how do we ask somebody if they're having thoughts of suicide and how do Mm. we do that in an open and caring and gentle way and make sure that that person is able to share what's going on, unburden Mm. themselves from those thoughts, Mm. and then really seek the support that they need. I think what's so powerful about hosting these trainings in a church setting is that that support can be, you know, a professional mental health, behavioral health setting, but it also might be pastoral support or spiritual support. It might be connecting to a beloved mentor or teacher. Uh, Suicide prevention is really much more than just your traditional mental health treatment. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to take place in a behavioral health care setting. In fact, to be effective, suicide prevention really has to take place in all the settings that people are um, living their lives in.
0: And just while while I'm there, am I looking at a video, filling out a questionnaire, having small group interactions? I'm just give people an idea of how their energy is going to be kind of allocated.
1: Yeah, there's some visuals, some slides, uh, but really I think it's a very interactive training, a lot mm-hmm. of discussion, a lot mm-hmm. of time for questions and sharing. I think Rosalind can chime in, but most people leave the training having some more concrete information, but also leaving, um, feeling sort of that they participated in a therapeutic space where they can talk about things that maybe they haven't had the chance to talk about before.
3: We use um, a small, we use the Amistad room at our church. It's a meeting room Mm -hmm. and um, it holds, you know, maybe at the max 20 people, but that's really the major number of people that we want in one, one workshop session because you have to give people space, you know, they'll look around the room and see, do they feel like they can say something that's on their mind? Mm. And if you have, you know, it's not like a lecture hall, you know, kind of experience. (laughs) So, you know, people aren't gonna share in a lecture hall experience. But, you know, question learning how QPR is, stands for question, uh, persuade and refer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, how to ask those somewhat difficult questions of a person that you know notices acting differently. This all started at our church following the um, uh, stitch suicide in California. You know the man from the um, Ellen DeGeneres show that everybody hmm. was so shocked, and they showed all the so happy holiday you know uh, um, TikTok videos of him and his family, and then all of a sudden, you know, he, this happens, and they're like, "How did you know?" Nobody saw it coming. Blah blah blah. blah. So those, that's why it was timely and people wanted to know, you know, what should I look for hmm. to see if this hmm. is happening in my family or hmm. in my work you know, environment mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. So that's how it came came to fruition hmm. That's bur- Lorena, talk about if
0: someone's watching and say, well, I'm confused, Lorena works for the city, now she's doing this, what's, what's the, what, the connection? Are you doing this on the city's dime? Are you, is, is Mary give giving permission to do this or, or is this an independent initiative? What's the connection between you know, the city services and this community-based event?
1: Sure, great question. Uh, so as you mentioned, my role is coordinator for community mental health initiatives, which is a new role within city hall. I've been in the role just about a year and a half And I've really been um, tasked with creating programs and initiatives to support community mental health, Mm. which I see as beyond sort of clinical spaces. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the ways that we can best support community mental health is to strengthen and um, ensure that all of the places that our community is going has the resources, has the skills. Uh, to respond to the mental health needs of New Haven, so um, I I see this work with Dixwell, um, with Rosalyn, with all of our other community partners as the core of of what I've been tasked to do and what my role is for the city.
0: Tremendous, Sh- Roz. Just before I come back to you, Lorena, share if you would some of your your partners. I want I want people to get a feel for the the scope and the networking and that. You might not have a, a large staff under your control there, but 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 the, but the partnership, and, and that's the way for things to grow for us. And not necessarily have to look for who's who's the boss, but can we all kind of be at be at the be at the table? So who are some absolutely? You know?
1: Well, I will say I'm an office of one, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I work very closely with partners across um, both within City Hall and working, um, you know, with elderly services, with our libraries. I've done workshops with LCI. Mm-hmm. Um, I work very closely with some of our, you know, those more traditional behavioral healthcare partners that you would imagine, Clifford Beers, Connecticut Mental Health Center. Um, but I also am working with a broad range of other community-based organizations and churches. I've been working, um, with the social emotional learning office in the school district
3: Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. i've been um working with community action agency uh the community foundation um good good. put me on the spot with partners but i I promise we have a lot of partners just for
0: folks for i want folks to see the pantheon and then that this is a collective effort and often for success these days you do have to have allies friends uh a supply, a supply chain of, of wisdom and intellectual kind of sharing and translation. So this, this is so key. Roz, uh, let's jump a little bit to whether you want to call it um, winter blues or winter depression or right. suicide
3: or, uh, you know, this is this is. This is very similar. Um, we call this learning and you know information about suicide prevention. It's like um, CPR for the for the head. It's the mental health version of CPR. Uh, you want as many people to know how to save somebody, you know, with first aid and CPR as possible. Mm-hmm. We've done that at church too several times, and we're mm-hmm. planning on doing it again in the spring um you know it's like the a aed machine you know you have it on the wall but who the heck knows what to do with it you know it's in it's in the buildings all over but you don't know what to do with it well this this whole qpr training um you know and what do you do at holiday time and Mm. there are so many there are so many um Points Now that you can look at and say, this is a trigger. This is a trigger. There's so many triggers. There's more triggers than anything else in life. Now, you know, the whole, um, pandemic period, you know, not being able to be with your friends at school, that was a trigger and, you know, working from home, no socialization around the lunchroom, you know, in the water cooler, all those kinds of things leave you feeling isolated and, um, and holidays is one of those times it's mm-hmm. just starting to get back mm-hmm. that, you know, if you have family that is still around, um, you know, you want to get together with them. I think the whole idea of everybody flying here and there and all these vacation trips and how busy the airports are at holiday time, I think it's all all like, let me get out of here. Let me try to find some way to escape, you know, mm-hmm. the heaviness mm-hmm. of life these days. And I think that Um, things that we just took for granted, you know, a little stressor here, a little stressor there has kind of compounded. And I would say particularly on the Black community um, from the George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and all these different things, you know, the the whole social media and everything is just in your face. If you happen to look at it, it's in your face. I mean, Mm -hmm. for kids, for adults, for the elderly, for everybody, all of us, And it can be too much,
2: Hmm.
3: it can be too Hmm. much. And people don't know where to go to get help for that. Uh, Sometimes it's just, you know, getting together with your friends at lunch or getting together and having, you know, games, a game day and having Mm -hmm. families come Mm -hmm. together and play whatever you Mm -hmm. want to do. But it's just the socialization is a form of help for those who are out here feeling, you know, isolated and alone. And you feel that more at holiday time than any other time.
0: Mm, absolutely, Lorena and Roz, walk me through, tease me a little bit about twenty four. What's what's on the agenda, or what what you guys plan in terms of your, your, I won't say your crusade, just your your, your health, your, your well, yeah, your health crusade. We want to we want to want to abolish depression, you know, and, and lift up life. So just just tease us a little bit, if you would. What's on your, uh, you don't need you don't need to give me the Coca Cola. Uh, recipe. Just just tell me, tease us a little bit what what you plan to kind of... Well, for me at, and the all. folks
3: at Dixville Church, we want to get more activities going. Mm-hmm. And we want to have more connection with families who are inside and outside the church. Mm, and we want them to take advantage of all the opportunities. And there are a lot of opportunities for, to do things. We just have to, you know, get the calendar together. So they're, they're in the process of getting the spring calendar ready. And you know, we're going to this winter take part in like the symphony, going to be at Southern, you know, there's, um, you know, be a bus. We're talking about going back to the Pequot Museum. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in Connecticut don't even know that that's up there or mm-hmm. have never been. And then, you know, the connection of those folks to um, the African-American community, they're you know, they're connected they're, because mm-hmm. people were in the cities and they, they hooked up, yes. so there are a lot of people. You know, and those kinds of things. Yeah, we're doing those things. We're doing our workshop again in the spring. We're doing first aid CPR again in the spring. Good, Um, good, And we're doing arts and how to connect children and families to art, whether it's drawing. And we have a few artists who are working with young people Mm -hmm. um, during a series. And we're also doing music so that there's a series. Uh, So we're looking forward to all of that happening, um, you know, between... January and, and June.
0: And, and Lorena, what, what what's on your plate because I re- recall getting some oftentimes the uh, m- employee information from the city about these workshops and nutrition and yoga and vac- vaccinations and uh, chair massage and uh, you know share a little bit about that you're you're kind of the inside and outside person. I, li- I like it that you have so uh, talk about about your your, your work universe has, so to speak.
1: Sure. Well, I think I am really looking forward to continue working with Roslyn and Dixwell and really expanding the partnership with faith communities. I think hearing uh, Reverend Hardy speak earlier on the show, mm-hmm. um, our faith communities are reaching people in need. And when I think about mental health, like I think about most people in their lives are never going to step into a behavioral health care setting for a variety of reasons, whether it's the price or the stigma, or they can't find a therapist that they connect with because they don't see themselves in the clinicians out there, um, but they may turn to their faith community. And so I'm, I'm just really grateful for the partnership with Dixwell and hope to continue uh, really strengthening um, our churches to be responsive to the mental health needs of congregants and residents i think that um i, I want to highlight please your, um, highlight, city,
0: it. highlight it <laughs>
1: the city of new haven has published our first official suicide prevention guide mm-hmm. this is um, a paper copy you can pick these up at city hall uh, i can also share a link where you can download it
0: Please. And when people attend the workshop, will there possibly be some copies?
1: Absolutely. We'll be yeah. handing out copies. Um, but this is really to underscore that there are resources. And as Rosalind was saying, this can be a really hard time of year. Uh, but I want people to know and I want listeners and viewers to know you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And there's there's hope. And we're here to hold that hope for you. Um, so I'm excited to continue sharing this with the community and making sure it gets into the hands of, of the people that need it. And the last sort of preview for the year, mm-hmm. I'd want to highlight that that's very related to suicide prevention is the Elm City Compass team,
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which is New Haven's non-police emergency response team. This is a, a team of a social worker and a peer, somebody who has lived experience of a, a mental illness. Uh, the team has been operating for over a year now and they're embedded in our 911 system. So if you call 911 and are having a mental health crisis, a substance use crisis, crisis related to you know, homelessness or something psychosocial, mm-hmm. The Mm -hmm. team can be dispatched, uh, to meet your needs. And we know that, uh, sometimes you don't need to talk to a police officer; You need to talk to a a clinician or a peer.
3: Mm. And
1: so the team is continuing to expand in the coming year. Uh, and we're just hoping to really make that resource institutionalized here in New Haven. So that we, we know that there's sustainability, uh, for that team and that people's needs are being met with the right right person in the right place at the right time.
0: Excellent. We we have about uh, 8 minutes. I want to throw a I hope hopefully you'll perceive it to be a softball and easy question uh, but 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 here goes. I want to ask both of you since Lorena you're currently employed by the city, employed by the taxpayers Raj, you've been employed off and on by taxpayers for 30 years in terms of uh, various You're municipalities. Too kind. You're too Very, kind. very, very mis- municipalities. <laughs> I'm now involved with an elected, an elected position. Talk to me a little bit about as we conclude, in general, people your your general perception of people sometimes seeing city hall services to be helpful, sometimes seeing city, city hall people to be obstacles. And since you've been on both, not now Lorena, since you're on you know, several sides of the fence, Ross, since you've seen various leadership styles in terms of municipal mayors, uh, large cities, small cities, I'm just curious your thoughts about this is something that it's really a selfish question that I ask myself each day. The, my desire for folks to see that we're all on the same team and we're trying to work, and we're trying to work together, and that we are not the enemy, but also don't use me as a psychological uh, stress reliever. But you know, we we, we all are still humans, and there's still the taxpayers, in my estimation, still do have and here's a conclusion, still do have a a fair, reasonable reason for how they judge the quality of services, you know, in in, in all of our minds, we have a. A perception about what a quality service delivery means so just just any concluding thoughts and and i, and I do want you to kind of leave us leave, leave us on a upbeat note right in terms of this question <laughs> because i do believe that we can and Lorena, that's why i'm asking a question in terms of this context for people to see how we can not we can move beyond artificial barriers in terms of our mental social economic health it does it's, it's not just located in one area of of, of control
3: Raz, I'll give you you give know you, you, you my experience has all been um, public health. And um, you know it's important for the listeners to understand that the people, I would say ninety nine percent of the people who go into public service in a health department are there because they are very interested in, um, you know, protecting and serving mm. the public. Yeah. They're not there just because, you know, so-and-so's uncle said, here, give him a job. No, that's not who's in the health department. And that's not who I've met in other departments. I mean, yeah, they're out there, there but, but it's not the majority. The majority are there because they like what they're doing. They're getting paid for what they're doing. They're not getting paid properly in at least the health department's, um, um, you know, venue. But um, the skill, they have a lot of skills. They know a lot about um, different public health things. Uh, They train on a regular basis, you know, state certification classes that they must take. And and they're very good. They're very good. They're a variety of personalities, but they're very good Mm -hmm. at what they do. And that's New Haven. That's Bridgeport. These are the places that I've served now. So it's You know, I can tell you that in Bridgeport, in New Haven, in Brantford, in East Haven, they are there because they're committed Mm. to public health. Mm. They're passionate about public health. So, you know, when people come up to you, they're not there being, you know, punitive. They're there to teach you something and you need to listen to what they have to offer. Excellent. That's my two cents.
0: Lorena, thank you for your two cents, Ross. Maybe even three.
1: Maybe. <laughs> I think what Roz says rings true. Uh, my coworkers, I'd like to think myself too. You know, I'm doing this job because I care about my community, mm-hmm. because I'm really passionate about mental health. And I also believe in local government. Like I believe that our government has a, a really positive role to play in the lives of our residents.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Um, we're far from perfect, and I think that New Haven is an amazing city because our residents hold us accountable. Right? There's a lot of yes. accountability. Mm-hmm. New Haven's residents are are extremely involved, um, critical, informed, and that really pushes us as as government to do the best that we can. And I appreciate. That dynamic it can be, you know, painful at times, but it's really about our residents holding us accountable to do the work that we are passionate about doing.
0: Excellent, excellent. We have we have three, three, maybe ninety more seconds. So, Lorena and Roz uh, and Lorena, this question really pertains more to you, but Roz, I want you want you to weigh in also in terms of the uh, perhaps newness of it. What I'm trying to spit out is community health initiatives is the court is, is do many do many cities have positions similar to yours that you know of?
1: So, as a, a mental health coordinator, I'm I'm the only one in the state of Connecticut.
0: So the only one in the state of Connecticut. So we don't have to talk about think about the other forty nine. So let's <laughs> talk about that. Is this truly innovative? Is this? A, and I'm not trying to give you a chance to you know boast, boast. But it seems to me that this is an innovative step and, and Roz I want your opinion about how this fits into the, the structure or and or do we need to kind of scale up so and do, do we need 10,000 lorenas in, in every city or, but so we have 90 more 90 seconds for you guys to answer that lex, lecture question.
1: I think that I mean such thoughtful questions first of all but I think that you know the city our residents demanded something structural to change in the wake of the movement for black lives and, uh, the murder of George Floyd. And part of that structural change was the creation of my position. Um, and every time you, you know, this is, this is putting government backing and resources behind Mm -hmm. this idea that mental health really matters to our communities. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I think ultimately that's a good thing and we need more resources. And Roz, I don't know
3: if you want to chime in. Roz, you have 30 30 seconds. When when my contemporaries say, oh, I'm moving south because it's warmer or it's better or it's whatever, and I keep thinking, you know, but at this point, this is the point in life when you need the services. So I don't think I'm going to go south to those places that, you know, you can't get a service, you can't get good service, or they don't believe in, you know, taking care of their people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I want to go there. I think New England will probably be where I stay and I just run away for a, you know, a few, <laughs> few months right. in the winter and come back.
0: So, so I have thir- 30 seconds. Lorena and Roz, where should people show up? I know you only go on 20, but just even express information, find out about this. How can they find out? About it's
3: December this? 11th, 5.30 at Dixville Church.
0: And Lorena, is there a, call, a number they call in terms of future activities or website?
3: Uh,
1: Yes. Um, it's kind of a long website, so I would just give how people... About, how about uh, your email address? My email address is L, as in Lorena, last name Mitchell, at newhavenct.gov. L, Mitchell, at newhavenct.gov
0: currently the only one in Connecticut so we're going to mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to try to clone you and just to kind of maximize this initiative ladies thank you so much keep up the good work stay helpful early uh, uh, holiday greetings to, to to everyone and let's try to make you know pe- peace on earth goodwill toward women yes. children and even men
3: thanks for having us
1: thank you take care